Welcome to Gateway Church Wirral Online. We're so delighted that you're with us this morning. So great that you can be a part of our live streamed gathering. Just to welcome you to this space and what we're all about. Um, to say that we as a church, we're all about seeing people meet with God, encounter him for all his goodness and his grace and for lives to be changed by him. As a church, we want to see a world transformed, made better and better through every life transformed by the grace of God. So our hope and our prayer for you today, meet with Jesus in the things that we're saying, in the things that we're singing, in the way that we're opening up the word of God, which is alive for us today. We want you to know Jesus, know that he loves you, know that he has a plan for your life. And as we're going through our gathering this morning, do please connect with us here in this live stream space. You can fill in our connection card. The tab, I think, is at the top of your screen. Request prayer if you'd like to. There are great, friendly people who would love to pray with you. And do just connect with us in any and every way that you'd love to. As a church, we gather. That's what we're about today. When we come to the close of our gathering, I'll tell you how you can connect with us going forward into the week. So have a really great time. Be blessed. Enjoy yourself and enjoy Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to be here this morning? Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Let's see if you've been spoiled. Who got breakfast in bed? One. Only one got breakfast in bed. Come on. Well done. Well done to that family. Anybody going out for lunch? Uh, there we go, we're getting spoilt with lunch. Okay, well, of course, we like to celebrate our mums. We like to have lots and lots of fun. And over the years, we've asked our children, what is your mum good at? And pretty much every answer has been cooking or baking. So we thought this morning we would have Gateway Bake Off. Okay, I'm going to invite Bola, Oba, Erica... Heavenly, and where have we got? I've lost. Rachel and Sophie, there we go. Give them a round of applause. Now, of course, there's always a twist in this. So the children are going to sit on the chairs. Okay. You want to grab an apron there? This way. Okay, mums, because you're so good, we're going to blindfold you. Okay, come on Sophie in the middle, there we go, there's a blindfold for you, aprons on for the kids, hopefully you're not going to get messy, there's a blindfold, and there we go. Now I've been kind, I've written the instructions, three eggs, five tablespoons of water, seven tablespoons of oil, okay, everything is in front of you, there. What you've got to do is blindfold. Put your hands through. So kids, hands are behind your back. Okay? Your hands are through here. And you've got to create, okay, the cake. Then, to finish off with, once you've finished, your children are then going to feed you a cupcake. Okay? It's chocolate. What do you Do you think you can do this? What do you reckon? Yes. Do you, think, do you think they can do it? Right, we're going to get, here's the oil. Now, I haven't measured the oil out, so I'm making it even harder for you. Okay? How many teaspoons? They're cheating already. Yeah, 
You're using your hands. So your hands go through. So you, no, no, you put your hands down on your lap. Okay, you're not allowed to use your hands. Okay, you need to put this on so you can't see. Stop cheating. Bowler's trying to cheat already. Okay, have we got you? You don't need. Have you got yours? Yes, have we got everything? I think the only thing that's left. Okay, we're going to quickly there. The planning, the scheming already thing, already. Okay, we're going to get this water over here. Yes, pass the water down. You're going to have to... <laughs> Erica's like, no, please, Lord, help me. Okay, there's some water there. There's some, we've got some music on. Okay, we're going to give you a countdown. Are you ready? We're going to go down from three. Okay, black... Yes, that's the cake mix. Okay, that's your cake mix, okay? Right, blindfolds on. Erica, blindfolds on first. Cheating going on. Are you ready? Should we go? Three, two, one, go! Go on. Oh, the egg's gone already. Okay there, Bola. <laughs> Do you need a hand? Do you want an extra hand? Yeah. Oh, oh, yay! There we go. Here we go in. How are we doing over there, Erica? You're supposed to be three, but your mum dropped one. There's one egg smashed on the floor. I'm sorry. There. Oh, Rachel's doing well there. How are we doing, Erica, at the end? Should we give them some cheering? Come on, cheer them on, encourage them on. How are we going? Okay. There we go. How are we doing? So you've only got two eggs because one's on the floor. There. You can't see. Anybody want some cake afterwards? We're going to cook it. Yeah, we're going to bake it in the oven during kids. Okay. Keep going. It's not looking bad. Did you just pour the whole oil in? Okay, that's got a lot of oil in that one. How are we doing over here? Keep stirring. Come on, stir. Go on, you. Go on, stir. Oh, oh no, no, oh, we're perfection here. Oh, look at that, very good. We've got everything in there. Get stirring. Apparently it says to stir for two minutes. Okay, two minutes. I don't know who's counting. Have you got everything in there, Sophie? Have you got everything in there? You got your water, your eggs and your oil? Yeah? Right, when you feel it's ready, You've got to pour it into the cake tin. Cake, cake tin, where's the cake tin? You've... We're going. Oh, there isn't any, you're just going to have to pour it in. It's fine, just put it in there. By the way, the carpet bill comes to you. 
if there's anything on the floor, like the egg. <laughs> oh, Eric has got it there. Got some more cheering going on. Let's see how we're going. Oh, it's looking good. Well done, Heavenly. Well done, Erica. Bit sloppy, that, Bola. Okay, you're pretty much done. When you feel you're done, you've now got to feed them. Okay, the cupcake. How? Well, you can open it, stuff it in the mouth. Just watch the egg. Okay, go on. Go on, a little bit of cheering as we're finishing here. Go on, go, go, go. Stuff it all in, stuff it all in. Go on. Go on, stuff it in. How are we doing? Heavenly, the cake into your mum's mouth. <laughs> Take the wrapper off. Go on, keep going. Give them a cheer near the end. Go on, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Who's going to win? It's neck and neck. Oh, Erica's stuffing it in there. Go, keep going. We want to see an empty mouth. We want to see an empty mouth. Is it nice? They were fresh? No. <laughs> they were Sainsbury's best. Sainsbury's best. Come on. Go, go, go. No, Sophie's not eating it. <laughs> oh, 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 keep going, Erica. We want to see your mouth empty there. Keep going. Swallow, swallow. Keep going. God, who's going to get there? Go, keep going. I want to see an empty mouth. I want to see an empty mouth. Go, go, go. Got a little bit more cheering. They're nearly there. Let's go. Let's go. Are we done? It's Rachel's really struggling here. Go. Who's going to be the winner? Who's going to be our champion? What? Erica. Keep going, the rest of you. We've got all day. We're nearly there. We made a mess. We made a mess. Okay, and Bola, cheer for Bola. I think we need to cheer Rachel on, come on. Keep cheering, keep cheering. <laughs> keep going. Are we done? Are you sure? Empty mouth. <laughs> oh, big cheer. You can take your, your blindfolds off now. Do you want to have a look at your products? Yeah, that one's a little bit... The whole oil went in there. Okay, Sophie, lift yours up. How are we doing? Will it tip? Ooh. Oh, okay. I want to cook that as well. Don't put it back in. I'm very joking. Heavenly, lift yours up. Let's see. Will it pour? Oh, well done. So our gateway bake-off champion for 2022 is Erica. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, guys. You can take your seats. Happy Mother's Day. And we're going to watch a video, okay? Can I get a couple of people just to put that down there? Well done. Thank you. <laughs> no more cakes. I was at the border between Moldova and Ukraine this weekend and while I was there I met incredibly courageous women who reluctantly were leaving behind their husbands, their brothers, their fathers in order to take their children to safety. Many of them were just carrying a couple of suitcases, there were no pushchairs or prams and uh, they were quite distressed about what they were going to face 
in the West. And for the last few months, we've been supporting Afghan women who also had to flee to safety. And through our partner, Baby Basics, we've been able to help about two and a half thousand Afghan women get the support they need with about 33,000 items bought off an Amazon wishlist. So I thought to myself, what about this Sunday, Mothering Sunday, whether we could support these women fleeing from Ukraine by helping them get the essentials that they need in order to start life here in the UK. Wouldn't that be a little bit of encouragement? I know my mother always used to say she didn't want anything for Mother's Day, but we wanted to show love to her. Well, maybe we could show love to the mother figures in our lives by sponsoring an item on this wish list in their name. Uh, it could be something simple and cheap, like t a £2.50 uh, feeding bottle, or it could be something more substantial, a £350 double cot or pushchair. Whatever it is that you give, it will make a huge difference to a family arriving. And any leftover that we have from this Ukraine appeal will make available to Afghan women still stuck in those hotels or in the normal work of Baby Basics. Uh, they've been supporting vulnerable women here in the UK. Why won't we, the nation, Britain, show love to these mothers, these incredibly courageous mothers, out of respect and honour to our mums this Mother's Day. Thank you. So having had a little bit of mayhem and fun, we just wanted to share that video this Mothering Sunday, and I hope you kind of caught the heartbeat behind it. Um, of course, many of us will be aware of the, the situation that has been unfolding in the Ukraine. And, um, and we wanted to just let you know a few ways in which you can help and how that actually is a really wonderful thing this Mothering Sunday. Um, that wonderful organization, the Sanctuary Foundation, we, we sent out a, a link to you recently um, so that you can uh, register there to find out more and to find out more about how you can help. To, some of you might be interested even in hosting uh, refugees and we sent that link out to you. But the, what they're doing over Mothering Sunday is they're inviting everybody to contribute um, useful goods through their partner, Baby Basics, which is a long-established British charity, so that Ukrainian mums who are fleeing that war zone, and, and particularly those coming into the UK, can have the things that they need and oftentimes have left behind. Uh, and what they're saying is there's a couple of wish lists. Um, we've just sent the image to you via the prayer line. We're going to send the links to you a little later on today. There's a couple of wish lists. You can just go on. You can purchase something. It can be small. It can be big. It can be whatever you can afford. And it will get directly into the hands of families who are fleeing the war zone. And what they've said is, if they have more um, than they need for the Ukrainian families that they're connecting with, then they're going to give those gifts then to Afghan refugee uh, families, many of whom they didn't get to be hosted. Um, they're mostly, the ones in the UK, are still in hotels and hostel accommodation, which obviously is nothing like home. Um, and so the goods are going to go to them. And if they have more than that, then they're going to get these wonderful things into the hands of other mums who are part of Baby Basics' core work which is supporting families in need, oftentimes in, in difficulty and poverty, even within the UK here. So what we're urging you to do is, when the, those links come to you later on and you've had your Mothering Sunday lunch, and for those of you who were like before, oh, should, well, should we be doing that? Well, there you go, there's your prompt. Um, now you should be taking people out for lunch, or at least for an ice cream. Uh, when you've done that... Um, then click on these links, make sure that mums who have nothing and maybe don't have many people around them anymore either are getting the things that they need. 
More broadly than that, um, we hope in the next few days or weeks to be able to tell you about some wonderful work that uh, friends of Pastor Paul and Evelyn in Krakow in Poland, um, they've been doing this work for decades and obviously there's a new kind of impetus to it with, with refugees coming from the Ukraine and we've got an, hopefully another way that those of you who want to give financially will be able to give. Uh, and lastly to say as well, through the Sanctuary Foundation that I've mentioned, it's possible for churches to coordinate people who would like to host refugees. Now that might not be for everybody. I would urge that, that, that using that wish list before and giving something is for everybody uh, and financial giving might be for a lot of us. Hosting might not be for everybody but it might be for some. So if that's something that you've been contemplating and you'd like to know more, can I encourage you, would you message our church prayer line and we can loop you into the conversation around what it might look like for you to host a Ukrainian refugee family, should that uh, be the case, or even an individual. Um, so this Mothering Sunday, I want to urge us to, to, to have fun, but maybe there's more than fun. And to enjoy family, but maybe family means more. Uh, and so as I, I leave those things with you, can you stand with me this morning? And we just want to pray. And we want to pray a prayer of thanksgiving this morning. But we also want to pray a prayer of intercession on behalf of those who are struggling or who have lack or who have need. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for our church. We thank you, Lord God, for all of the, the many wonderful people of, of so much diversity and difference of background that you have brought together to form us as a family of faith. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that on this Mothering Sunday we can have fun. We thank you, God, that we can celebrate all of the joy that family can be, both our, our, our natural families but also our spiritual family. Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you this day for all the women of our church. We praise you for mums and aunts and sisters and daughters. We praise you for spiritual mothers. We praise you for those who provide us such examples of character, of courage and of good conduct in you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus Christ, for, for women who serve, for women who pray, for women who share the good news of new life in Jesus, for women who knit us together, even in you, Christ Jesus, doing your good work. We are immeasurably blessed. And God, we ask that your favor would be upon the ladies of our church today, that Lord Jesus Christ, they would know your gracious and tender and mighty hand at work within their lives. Lord Jesus, would you provide for them in their hearts, their minds, their bodies and their souls. Lord Jesus, would you provide for them in every relationship and every connection that you have given them. And God, would you provide yet more relationships and connections, Lord God, within this family of faith that we might nurture and nourish and love one another. Lord Jesus Christ, bind us together. Fill us with your spirit. Form your family in this place. And God, as you strengthen, enrich and encourage us, God, I pray that we would be a, a family of faith that wishes to strengthen, enrich and encourage those around us. God, send us to those who are near to us and send us to those who are far off. Send us to our neighbor and send us to the stranger. Lord Jesus, send us to those that you have already graciously given to us. But God, I pray that we would follow you. God, your arm is not short to save. 
And I pray that our arm of grace and care would not be short either. Lord Jesus, move us, prompt us, and enable us that we might graciously love those around us, most especially this Mothering Sunday. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship Jesus again together.
praise you this morning, Lord Jesus, for we are free. And Lord Jesus, as the scripture teaches and as we know very well, whoever you set free is truly free. Free indeed. And we are no longer slaves to fear. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you and we praise you for this has been your plan for us from the beginning. As we have sung from our mother's womb, you have chosen us. Lord Jesus, the scriptures teach us that you knit us together in our mother's wombs. The scriptures teach us that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, I pray that for each and every one of us here this morning and and all the lives that we might touch through this day and in our lives, that we would know that very well. How precious we are, Lord God, and precious in your sight. And so, Lord Jesus Christ, we commit ourselves into your hands. For we know, Lord God, that when we present ourselves living sacrifices, when we surrender the lordship of our lives into the hands of the only one who is worthy, when we declare, Lord God, that you are our salvation and our hope, then everything starts to work. Everything comes together. Everything that we have been singing and declaring is true because it can only be true in you. Jesus, you are good. And we love you. And we pray, Christ Jesus, that we will be marked and formed and shaped and sent in your love today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Please take your seat. I'd love to come around. Well, please take your seat. Everyone except for Pastor Karen, you can go get the hoover. Um, Maybe just come and tidy up. No, she's she's fled the room, actually, I think. It's disgraceful behavior, isn't it? Um, It reminds me, I was... um, I had the great joy uh, of taking part a little bit in um, the wedding yesterday of Peter and Toyosi, Peter Adediran, who you know, um, and many of you were there, and many of our church were there, and some of them, I think, partied really late, and so they haven't quite made it today. Um, They're recovering with a restorative breakfast in bed, whether they're mums or not. Um, uh, But as I was kind of researching what I was going to say, um, I did come across a little joke, and, and I, I excluded it on the occasion, but I thought I would share it with you right now. Um, and, uh, and the joke goes a little bit like this. Um, there, there was a story that goes, basically, um, a police officer heard on, on his radio that a lady had shot her husband for stepping on a floor that she'd just cleaned. Um, and, uh, and so he jumps into his car, and he, he calls the station, and he, he gets to the location, sees the scene, and he calls back for reinforcements, as it were. And he says to them, a woman, um, she's just shot her husband for stepping on a floor that she'd just mopped. And so the, the people back in the station, they say to this gentleman, they said, have you arrested her? Asked the desk sergeant, to which the police officer on the location said, no, not yet. The floor's still wet. Um, <laughs> And I, I didn't share that joke because it kind of sounds kind of sexist, doesn't it really? As though only women can be mopping the floors and though only men can be standing on the floors. It's kind of sexist. Also probably kind of true in some houses. I'm just going to throw that out there. And, and maybe gentlemen, and can I extend this to children, if maybe you've not been doing the cleaning around the house that maybe you should have been doing, then you can learn here with all of this and then take those skills back to your homes. Um, Anywho, happy Mothering Sunday. Um, 
I love it. And you know, I always call it Mothering Sunday. Did you know, this is a little bit of my hobby horse, um, but did you know Mothering Sunday originally wasn't about mums? Did you know that? Um, it, it, don't get worried. Some of you ladies are looking at me like, do not take my day. Um, this is my day, and you will not have it. Um, originally, the whole idea of Mothering Sunday, it was some Anglican vicar, and he decided that it'd be lovely for people who perhaps have moved out of the area or, or maybe just haven't continue to attend church as maybe they once did they would have a day when you can return to your mother church isn't that a nice idea and mothering Sunday was actually about coming back to your mother at church and the church of your kind of family and of your roots and all these kinds of things I think that's rather lovely isn't it um so you're not convinced you're like I want my goodies um, but, you know, anyhow, this is, this is how it's gone. But it, it is lovely to extend that sense to, to the wonders of motherhood. And, of course, here within the church, we recognize that those things are not nearly limited um, to, to natural motherhood, but are actually extended and uh, gifted to us within the church spiritually, as there are so many women who contribute hugely to the life of our church and we'd be utterly lost without them as a church and we weren't going to do this but but why why ever not um should we celebrate the ladies of the church should we have a riotous round of applause for all the fantastic women of our church um absolutely brilliant and we're incredibly blessed and um it's great to see so many here in the building. I know many are perhaps joining us via our live stream in our sister church in Wallasey Oasis. They're celebrating the ladies out there in, in their own way as well. And, um, and there's gifts for the women out there. And if you didn't get your gift when you came this morning, make sure you don't leave without it. Um, there's going to be teas and coffees at the conclusion of our gathering. So you can hang around for a little bit and, uh, and get your goodies if you're ladies and just a cup of coffee if you're a bloke. But I'm sure you can settle for that quite happily. Um, we are, just for the next little while, going to dive into the scriptures. And um, we have been, you will know, um, in this kind of trio of little mini-series um, on the topics of money, sex, and power. Um, and each time we consider one of these topics, we've been considering what is it? You know, what actually is it biblically? And, and, and not just kind of accepting the narratives of our world or, or perhaps our own good or bad experience. What is it? And then how often is it kind of misused or abused? And, and how often do things go wrong in our world? And maybe we feel that keenly. Maybe we've been operating in those wrong thinkings and actings. But then lastly, we come to like a better vision. What could it be? What, what does God want to do in our world? And how is God graciously acting in our world? And, and we're coming to part three of our thinking around the topic of, of sex. Um, but today is Mothering Sunday. Um, and, um, and, and even though, how, how do I put this? Well, we know where babies come from um, <laughs> and how mothers, therefore, are also made. Um, I, I thought it's Mothering Sunday. I don't think anybody in church is going to want to talk about sex today. Um, and I was a little concerned that some of you might be inviting people who were kind of weren't part of the church and they would come on this occasion and, uh, and here they would be and then you'd go to lunch with them and there'd be like stony silence. And he'd be like, right, let me break the ice here. Pastor Greg's weird. That's first num one number one. You just need to know that. He's a bit of an odd job. And uh, this is why, well, anyhow, we're not exactly going to talk about sex today. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there so you can all breathe. <sighs> Tell someone near you, you can relax. It's going to be okay. 
and there are cakes for the mums as well, so it's double okay. Uh, for all the ladies in the church, there are cakes, it's, it's triple okay, um, so it's totally fine. Um, that being said, um, I, I couldn't let these three weeks go by without this little gem um, from my family. Um, and I was joking before that, that particularly Judah, nor a little bit, but particularly Judah provides me with an endless resource of sermon illustrations and funny moments. And I'm going to get away with it as long as I can. Because the day will come when he's sat in a seat somewhere and he knows that I'm talking about him. And he will look at me with his steely, stony glaze. And, and, and I will know the game is up. And I will have to, but I'm going to get away with it for a bit longer. And so um, we as a family, um, we, we've been researching some, um, I, should, I think that's a pile of oil there. I should watch out for that. Otherwise, I'm going to take a little moment, aren't I? Um, we've been researching kind of lots of great books and resources that are out there with families of young kids um, to talk about. Um, to talk about how their bodies develop and to talk about um, marriage and to talk about sex and where babies come from and all these kinds of things. Um, and we, we got one of these wonderful little books that's age-appropriate and it's about where babies come from. We thought, right, see how this lands with our kids. And so we, we opened it up and, um, and there we were just reading a book after dinner, as you do. And, uh, and then we'll have a little bit of prayer time at the end. Um, you, you knew I was odd. <laughs> but there you go. And, and I thought they put the picture up. Don't do it just yet. Um, oh, there it is. It's there. Um, and, and within the book, we got to... I'm sorry about this. I, I, should have, I was going to warn you more fully about what pictures were going to come up on church. Um, but I imagine any of you who've got a rudimentary understanding of biology will know what's going on up there. But my little lad does not have a rudimentary understanding of biology as yet. And he knew that we were talking about where babies came from. And we got to that page, and there is this picture, and you can see it on the live stream, I'm sure, as well. And he, he pulled his little sister over to him, and he said, Nora, look at this. In the middle, that's the baby. And the baby is underground. That's why it's all dark. But watch out, the worms are trying to eat the baby. <laughs> can see where he's going with that, can't you? That's pretty good, isn't it? My son, he is both wise and imaginative. You can let that picture go. People just don't need that any longer than absolutely necessary on a Sunday morning. But. So we're not, we're not really going to talk about sex this morning, but I thought I, I'm just totally missing it if I don't share that with you. I want to share it as broadly as possible, um, and I'll bring it up again maybe on his wedding day. Um, Clearly, we've got a fairly long way to go with my lad, and that's fine, and that's good. But my hope and prayer is that over recent weeks, look, we as a church, as, as adults and young adults, and look, we've been, we've been working healthily and helpfully with our, our young adults and teens and, and, and young people as well. We've come to a better understanding of what sex is um, and what it isn't. And look, there's much more that could be said, but not today. Rather, I'm going to conclude this mini-series by preaching actually something of the gospel according to marriage. Maybe it's because I was at a wedding yesterday. And forgive me, I will reference some of the same things that I did yesterday. But it's the gospel according to marriage and, and what that can mean and what perhaps it doesn't mean, but what it will mean, ultimately speaking. Look, you might, we might be willing to accept that according to the Bible, at least, and the loving creator God who has given us the Bible that sex is only a part of marriage and that this is a good thing, not a bad thing. 
And that this gives us the form uh, for fulfillment according to God's good and gracious design for us in those matters. There's a commentator, Richard Beck, and he puts it like this. He says, the Bible has always linked sex to covenant. Covenant, it's a promise relationship. That's uh, what we see when people are married. It's linked it to covenant rather than consent. Because the writers of the Bible understood that there's a significant difference. Consent is contractual. Two isolated individuals negotiating and then reaching agreement about a transaction. Consent is the child of capitalism. Covenant, by contrast, is a promise to care and protect. Tonight, and more importantly, tomorrow. The problem is with consent is that while we might voluntarily agree to a sexual transaction, for instance, and this does protect from levels of abuse, we might be radically unprepared for how the experience will leave each of us exposed, vulnerable, and needy in ways we hadn't anticipated. Covenant is the promise to care about these exposures, vulnerabilities, and needs. And so yesterday, um, Peter and Toyosi, looking beautiful, I think Peter was vying to see whether he could look more beautiful than Toyosi, but uh, even in Peter's magnificence, he didn't quite manage it. Um, But there they were looking absolutely beautiful and fresh-faced and kind of wide-eyed, and it's all new and exciting, and there's so much ahead of them. But the the joy of marriage is not just in the day, of course, is it? And, uh, And those of us who've enjoyed a wedding or been part of weddings in various ways, we will know it's not just about the days. It's what we see played out afterwards, and it's the that covenant promise to attend to, care about strengths and weaknesses and exposures, vulnerables, needs that we've talked about already. So we're going to um, take some more steps in that direction. And what I want to do is just briefly give you a sketch of what the Bible says marriage to be in the Bible. And we're going to kind of start at the beginning and end at the end. That is the way to do it, I think. Um, And what we'll see is that actually it's much more than we thought. And what the Bible has to say on the matter is much greater than you had anticipated. And actually, these are truths and goodnesses and grace and gospel that are relevant, pertinent, indeed life-giving for each and every follower of Jesus, every human being who will accept them, irrespective of our marital status or our relational desires. And I'm going to acknowledge a debt to a wonderful female scholar, Rebecca McLaughlin, in this. And she wrote a fantastic book called Confronting Christianity. And there's there's a chapter within that book uh, about kind of the meaning of marriage. Um, It's a great book, absolutely fantastic. So you can add it to the list. Right at the beginning, marriage is there. And God's actual proclamation of the gospel through these things is right at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, even Genesis chapter 2. There it is, right at the very beginning of God setting the stage. Man and woman together imaging God into the world. And this is not accident, but it's design. And it wasn't that, that God created man and then woman was an afterthought. God doesn't operate like that. God, as we know, is not limited to our, our limitations of, of space or of timelines. It wasn't like, you know, the next day came and God was like, oh, I was a little surprised by that. Uh, God is within all things at all times. And the Bible very specifically teaches us that God created humanity in his image. 
And in the image of God, he created the male and female he created us. And, and there's something wondrously profound and powerful about the fact that God chose to represent himself into the world by women and by men. And within the story that we have and in Genesis chapter 2, we see a little bit of how that kind of came about. And God said it wasn't good for the man to be alone. And the woman was formed, according to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, to be his helper. And right at the outset of the Bible, people get the wrong idea. It doesn't take us long to get the wrong idea, does it really? Because, you know, we're people. And we get the wrong idea. And oftentimes, it's been suggested or inferred that the idea of being a helper is in some way lesser or inferior. Biblically, you cannot make that case. Because the word there that the scripture very deliberately uses to represent that idea of a helper is the word that is almost always applied in the rest of scripture to God, to God himself. And the very same language that is used to describe God and how he interacts with his people is the language that is given not to the man, in fact, but to the woman. And we must infer a sense of dignity, worth, and in fact purpose within the world that is perhaps differently, certainly, represented through uh, women in Scripture. You, know, you can look at these Scriptures for yourself, but Exodus 18.4, Deuteronomy 33.26 and 29, Psalm 20, Psalm 33, Psalm 54, Psalm 118, Hosea 13, verse 9. All of these instances, this word is used about God. And I lay up loads of scriptures, not so you can try and keep up, but so that you know this is not an outlier. This is not some strange kind of little, perhaps, footnote in the scriptures. This is the nature of God represented as women give the image of God into our world. Psalm 20 verse 2 tells us, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And it's the same language that God uses about that first woman, Eve. Man and woman are made differently. And, and with difference, and yet they come together as one flesh. And that, that's there again in Genesis 2 and verse 24. And that image that Jesus later is to reference and describe as marriage tells us about that one flesh union. There's something so important about that connection. It's one of the very first things we're told about humanity in the scriptures. And it is something that expresses God's heart. I don't know whether you've realized but creation is not just some kind of weird lab that scientist God set up so he could do kind of crazy things and see how it turned out. A bit, a bit like the craziness that we had demonstrated to us before. He wasn't just like a bit of oil and a bit of water and then let's add some acid and then like you know, Mentos and Coke. Or, we've had all sorts recently, haven't we? This is not how God's acting in creation. He's not just kind of randomly putting things together. I know sometimes it can feel like that, you know, we, we look at a picture of a giraffe and we're like, God, what was going on there exactly? This is a little odd. Um, this is not how God is acting in creation. God is actually demonstrating his heart and his character. He's actually speaking things of himself into being. So in the Gospel of John, when we're told that, that God is light, it wasn't that he suddenly decided to be light. He's always been light. And so therefore, when God in the beginning said, let there be light, 
He's actually speaking his character into what was not so that he can reveal his character. And because God wants to reveal his character to us, it wasn't that he thought, oh, light's good, I'll do another trick. No, it was that God ordained the nature of his creation so that we, his image bearers in creation, might enjoy a world formed according to his character and will. God's made a good world for you. We've done other things, but God's got a good and gospel plan for us. And so God starts to express himself in in male and female. He starts to express himself amongst other ways through marriage. But as, as soon as God's really got the ball rolling, things start to go wrong. And through sin, we call it the fall as though somehow Adam and Eve were kind of walking along and there was a big log and they tripped over and oh, dearie me, we fell into sin. Uh, It's not really like that, is it? It's outright deliberate rebellion against the one command that they were given. Uh, And so, you know, we kind of call it the fall uh, and there is a height from which we have fallen, um, but it's rebellion. And because of that, they, they find themselves not really in that place of beauty and the expression of the heart of God, but, but in a place of shame. And, and their nakedness, which, which wasn't a point of shame before, becomes a point of shame. And the, the marriage that God had put into being at the very beginning as something of how he wanted to, to build his world turns into blame. And uh, we said rather wonderful things about the nature of women uh, as being helpers in the mold of God. (laughs) Forgive me, but this is not so good about blokes because we're the first ones to bring blame into the world. Blame has been a bit of a tragedy ever since, hasn't it? Genesis 3.12, there's blame. and, And it's not too long in the story before blame becomes hate and hate becomes murder in Genesis 4 and verse 8. And what should have been good becomes death and yet God is not done with us God continues to be at work through the Old Testament of our Bibles and and one of the threads not not the principal thread you know we might look at things like covenant and kingdom more broadly and see the work of salvation and, and even the person of Jesus through all the scriptures but there is also the thread of marriage that works throughout the scriptures And there are two kind of ways that this represents itself. One, on the one hand, is human marriage. Now, in the Bible, a lot of human marriage in the Old Testament is not good. It's just not good. They've got things like polygamy, adultery, forced marriage, abandonment within marriage. There's a lot of things there that simply aren't good. I know sometimes we read the Bible, and sometimes we think, well, it's in the Bible, must be okay. Maybe you've got friends who aren't Christians and they know things in the Bible. They're like, well, it's in the Bible. Well, the Bible actually is recounting things that are good and are of God and also things that are not good and are not of God. And actually the contrast is there for the reason that we would turn to God. And so on, on the one hand, we've got humans getting it wrong. Not always, sometimes really getting it, it right, and beautifully so. And, and maybe you kind of love stories like, like the story of, of Ruth and Naomi and that friendship that they have and that wonderful relational prospect that then brings in Boaz and there's that newness within marriage and the promise that follows on. There are good stories, but there are lots of awful ones too. 
But on the other hand, God's at work. And Isaiah tells us in chapter 54 and verse 5, for your maker, talking to God's people, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. Well, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Why on earth is it using that kind of language? We get that God is our creator, but why would the Bible say to God's people as a community, as, 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 as this new kind of nation that he's growing, why would he say to them, your creator is your husband? Why would he use that kind of language? Yet prophet after prophet repeats that theme throughout the scriptures. Jeremiah 31, Ezekiel 16, Hosea 2, Joel 1. It comes up over and over and over again. God's love for his people is like that of a faithful and indeed passionate husband for his wife. But time and again, God's people turn away. Though God is good, though God is giving, though God is faithful, Though God loves and loves and loves. Time and again, God's people reject this love. And it seems as though this, the way the Bible represents his marriage, the marriage of God to his people, it seems as though it's failing. Failed, in fact. And then comes Jesus. And Jesus brings us the very image of God. Not, that, not, not in the way that we do. As, uh, we're, we're more like mirrors reflecting the glory of God. And there's something innate about our creation that enables us to do that. But the Bible tells us that Jesus is uh, something distinctly different. He's the image of the invisible God. He doesn't reflect God, but actually he fully being God shows forth God in this world. So there's a, there's a distinct difference between us and him. That's really good news because we need Jesus. And Jesus comes into the scene and on one occasion, um, he's being asked why his disciples don't fast, why they don't abstain from food to draw nearer to God. And if you know that Jesus is God, then you can see how odd that thought is because how do you get nearer to God than when you're actually eating with him at the table? But he's kind of asking them, why don't your disciples fast, Jesus? And Jesus in Luke 5 and verse 34, he says this, can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? Can you make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The, the wedding feast yesterday was an exercise in logistics, second to none. It was huge. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to such a, a large kind of wedding reception. And, and the logistics of getting all that many people fed, and fed well, uh, was, was pretty phenomenal, really. People want to eat when they're celebrating. Some of you sat there at the moment thinking, I hope Pastor Greg, because he's mother in Sunday, I hope Pastor Greg's going to do one of his short ones and not one of his long ones today. Because I want to eat. It's Mother in Sunday. I need to get down to business. And uh, don't worry, I'm with you. I feel keenly your desire for such matters. Um, but look, when there's a celebration, and a wedding's a great representation of that, people want to celebrate. And so Jesus here is saying, the groom, Jesus, he's, he's, he's identifying with himself as the groom within this marriage um, paradigm, this image that's being shown for us. And he's saying, look, I'm present. It's a bit like, you know, those kind of rehearsal dinners that are popular as well with weddings. Uh, and before there's a wedding, um, there's normally kind of a rehearsal. 
Um, it's because you don't kind of really learn your lines for a wedding. You just have to know when to, when to repeat them. And so you don't, you don't want to stand in the wrong place or, you, you know, say the wrong thing or accidentally get married to the wrong person or something like that. You don't, want, you don't want any of that kind of stuff to happen. And so you have this kind of rehearsal. And then there's a rehearsal dinner quite often afterwards when everyone could just kind of have a more relaxed kind of meal. It's a bit like that. And the groom's there. And maybe the kind of fulfillment of the, the wedding and the marriage hasn't come yet. But why would you fast? Unless you really don't think you can fit into your suit tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know. Which is a perennial problem for me. Um, need to let out my uh, go-to wedding suit, I think. But um, Jesus says, why would you fast? God was faithful always. Faithful to faithless people in the Old Testament. But Jesus comes into history as a groom to again woo and to win and to save his bride. Uh, in perhaps the, this marriage theme's kind of most controversial moment in the scriptures, we find this again depicted by Paul in Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm not going to unpick all of those things there, except to say that Paul depicts marriage almost as like a, a model of Christ and the church. Just a little while ago, we had February half term, and, and at Christmas time, um, we thought, my, my lad seemed really interested in those models of the solar system. Have you seen the ones you can get? And you kind of like build it and paint it and suspend it from the ceiling and there's glow in the dark bits. And I say we bought it for Judah. I think we may have bought it for me. Um, it's quite possible. Uh, but we got it anyway. And it said on it, ages eight plus. But we're those kind of parents who are like, he's five, but he acts like an eight-year-old. I think he's got this. Like... 10 seconds in, I've got the paints out, and it's partly my fault because he goes for stuff, and I'm like, not like that. Um, I need to just relax. But, but like 10 seconds in, don't shake your head at me, Mox. Uh, but 10 seconds in, we're just different. <laughs> 10 seconds in, uh, we're painting away, and he's like, see you later, Dad. And, um, and he's off. I have painted by now the whole solar system. It doesn't really look like the solar. It's pretty good, though. I'm quite pleased. The next holiday is coming up. We need to kind of like string it up from the ceiling and hopefully um, that kind of works out. Please pray for us. Um, it's a model, but it represents something that's much bigger. And in his imagination, when he sees them glowing from his ceiling, he's going to be fired up about the real thing and just the excitement and wonder of, of the world and creation, the universe that he's exploring and, you know, when you're that young, you think, yeah, I could be an astronaut. I could go see the... Maybe he will, I don't know. Do we want that? No, maybe I won't. Um, but um, here in Ephesians 5, you've got this, this scale model. Marriage is a scale model of something infinitely more wondrous and great and glorious. And Paul says to them, he says, look... There, there are elements of, of, of the way in which husbands and wives complement one another. And, and he does talk about things like submission, but he also talks about things like sacrifice and servanthood and all these kinds of things away. And, and look, we think that this is mostly about us because we're humans, and so we always think that everything is about us, don't we? That's just how we operate. But Paul concludes his teaching here by saying, actually, he's teaching a mystery which is Christ and the church. And he's got more in mind than the scale model. He's got the whole deal in mind. And when it's been true in the past that 
that even Christians and Christian men sometimes have, have sought to utilize such passages to justify male privilege or to, or to subjugate women. Not only have they minimized things, but they got it wrong. It's just plain wrong. And there is no way within Scripture that such kinds of behaviors or beliefs can be justified. In fact, what are we pointed to? We're pointed to Christian marriage where husbands lay down their lives. And that ain't a metaphor. That should be a reality. And to live that out day by day by day until he comes. To live that out in the small things and in the all things until he comes. If Christian marriage is a scale model of what God is going to do through the gospel, then Christian men, can I say we ought to be a scale model of the character of Jesus Christ? You know what I mean? You know, if you prefer to think of yourself as an airfix warplane, then, you know, go for that kind of scale model. I don't mind. But recognize that all the marks and the makings of Christ ought to be present within you. This is not, of course, limited to men. Men and women, people young and old, people from all kinds of different backgrounds and all different phases and stages of life, we're all called to show forth the character, the goodness, and the activity of Christ. But here within this model of what God is doing, men are called in these ways to be like Jesus. Love, sacrifice for, empathize with, and honor your wives And if you do anything else, you're against God, the example of Christ, and therefore God is against you. The core vulnerability of the husband's role is evident then in the final scene. And you're all pleased because Pastor Greg said the word final. And normally when he preaches, he only says that three, four, maybe five times before he actually means it. So we're going in the right direction here. But in the final scenes of Scripture... The Apostle John, who knew Jesus incredibly well and, and really lived out that life of love so beautifully. But right there, he, he hears the voice of a great multitude in Revelation 19 and verse 7, crying out this. The marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Do you know what's being taught to us here? Here we have Jesus, who identified himself as the groom. And having wooed and won and indeed done all of the work that we've just described of as that husband for his bride, the church is waiting for the father to present the bride to him. And the the angel declares in verse 9, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb because there's always good feasting. God is all about good feasting. He absolutely loves it. Jesus there is the husband lamb, the sacrificial victim given for us, and at last we will come to him as a bride adorned for her husband. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 2. And marriage from the beginning has always been speaking about the end. And so in the meantime, it ought to be speaking about them also. By God's grace, he is at work within our lives so that we can do this. Just yesterday, there we were in the church, and it was an Anglican church, but, but um, did you, you asked me, you turned to me at one point, you said, 
is this Anglican or is this Catholic? Because there were a lot of statues. Let me tell you, there were a lot of statues. And uh, it felt a little bit kind of like, oh, hello. I felt woefully underdressed because the guy who was leading the service was in like 13 different robes. And uh, it was like fantastic. And I'm like, I need to get me some of those. I did like it, actually, at one point. So when he joined their hands together, did you see? He took his, I think it's called a stole. It's that kind of like, you know, thing that comes over. And he wrapped it around their hands. And he said, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And I thought that was rather nice. I think I'm going to get something like that. (laughs) You'll come to the next wedding and Pastor Greg will have whipped a runner off the table and brought it. Wrap it around. Come on. (laughs) Bit of gaffer tape and I don't know. Bungee cords. <laughs> this is how it goes. I know. It was lovely. But um, everything that happened there was preaching this gospel to us. So Peter was there at the front of the church and he was looking pretty dapper. And, um, but he wasn't worried, wasn't concerned. He had wooed and won the heart of his love. And now he just had to wait. And he knew that at just the right time, the bride, having made herself ready, because no one else can do this, there's helps and helpers, but the bride had made herself ready, and there she would come into the church, but not on her own. Uh, The the father would bring her down to the groom and present her. Do you see how this is an image of what the Bible is teaching us? This is not accidental. This is a design to reveal the gospel to us. And there they would come together at the front of the church in the sight of God and the presence of many witnesses. Blessed are those who get to be part of this. And they would be invited to join hands. And they would be invited to declare that they had no other partners, but they were exclusively one for another for all time. And they would give and receive rings. And the rings would be eternal symbols. You know, you have know, a been at a wedding where they say a ring is a, a circle and there's a sign of unending love and it's quite nice isn't it but it, it speaks of of the promises that are made that are meant to be without end except that God comes again and they would make those covenant promises one to another declaring that they would have and to hold from this day forward for better for worse for richer for poorer amusingly uh, one of the people in the, in the wedding yesterday, uh, they managed to say the for rich a bit, but they forgot the for poor a bit. And uh, they needed like two prompts. And I don't know whether that was saying something about was it. For richer, yeah, for the richer bit. That's just totally good. No, but it's for everything. And they make promises one to another. And they declare for as long as we both shall live. And they're united together and they're going to go from that place and the unity one to another will form them as one flesh in all of the ways that a marriage is. And all of these things are by this design and they preach to us and they preach to us. And look, this is why a marriage is a good thing. It changes our perspective designed to point us to Christ's love for us. And look, I say this on this day, and I say it quite deliberately. I don't know if you, like me, you get all these emails um, from loads of different businesses, and they mostly just want to sell you stuff. That's most of my emails. It's like, buy more stuff. 
And then they seem to have realized I'm not buying enough stuff. So now the emails are like, ends tonight. Do you get these kind of emails? I get so tense when I open my email inbox. I'm like, ah. But at the moment, all of these people want to sell me stuff. Um, because it's been approaching Mothering Sunday, I think they've realized that just selling people stuff is not really enough and doesn't really honor people rightly. And so a lot of them, they say, look, if Mothering Sunday is, is a hard thing for you, you can opt out of the messages about Mothering Sunday. Have you got these kinds of emails? Like three of us? Do, do you use email? Does anybody have email here? I should stop sending you emails, shouldn't I? You're not going to read them. Uh, but it happens. Mothering Father's Day, Valentine's Day, even Christmas. If these things are hard for you, you can opt out. And I see what they're doing. And I think it's actually quite a nice thing. It's a good thing to not just see people as just, you know, wallets that they can empty, but to see them as kind of real people. That's good. I think actually the Bible is inviting us as Christians and, and us as, as people speaking Christ in the world to do something better. You see, we don't have to stop talking about motherhood because that's not everybody's path in life. We don't have to stop talking about fatherhood because that's not everybody's path in life. We don't have to stop talking about marriage because that's not everybody's path in life. Or stop talking about children because that's not everybody's path in life. We do recognize the multiple different gifts that God gives to us as a family of faith in the many different paths of life that God leads us in. We recognize also that there are folks within our church family and folks within his family who have different means of grace made available to them that maybe we won't anticipate, experience, or, or enjoy. And so we value one another as being able to speak Christ to each other differently, beautifully, and it's important. But I can preach marriage to you today, not because marriage saves and I know sometimes the church gives this kind of sense that, that marriage is like, an, well, the Catholic Church even calls it a sacrament as though somehow it might save you. It can't, and it won't, and it doesn't. It's not your salvation. Jesus saves. That was a good place for an amen. Thank you, Abel. Uh, Jesus saves. Amen. Marriage doesn't save. Kids don't save. Sometimes it feels like they do the opposite thing. No, no, not really. The kids in the room looked at me like, how dare you? Um, I don't mean it. These things don't save. They preach. Do you know what else preaches? Singleness. It preaches. Loss. Preaches. Having kids and not having kids. These things preach. I would say, and there's so much more that could be said, but I'm not going to this morning. Don't be afraid. But if anybody ever gives you the impression or indeed says to you that because of things that you don't have, your life is not marked by the grace of God in the equal measure and that your life and indeed your mouth cannot preach, then they're a liar. And they haven't understood the story. They're wrong. And I would urge you, Christians, church, no matter what your story has been, is today, and what continues to be, preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Because let me tell you, singleness is temporary, but do you know what else is? Marriage. It's temporary. 
It's the strangest thought that when we're in eternity, we won't be married. It's, it's so odd. But that's because these things in the here and now are just for the here and now. They preach about what has not yet come in its fullness, but it will. But it will. And so our lives must first and foremost, in singleness and marriage, in motherhood, fatherhood or not, in every phase and stage and way of life that God is graciously leading us for his own namesake, we must proclaim this truer and fuller gospel. Rebecca McLaughlin concludes like this, and she says, so married or single, don't settle. Don't content yourself with the little dream of sex, romance, or marriage. Good as those things can be, your heart is made for more. Not with another person who might be more your match, but with the matchless Son of God. No human spouse can hold a candle to the light of the world. He's the only one who loves you to death and back again. God is good. And he loves us in this way that he's even woven his love into everything of creation, even into marriage and motherhood and, and all these other things that we've talked about. And though many of these things will pass away, his love for us will not. And the things that we've enjoyed in this life, and every longing, and every lack, and everything that is a part of our humanity, which is immeasurably precious, don't let anybody ever tell you otherwise, but everything that we have been learning, all the scale models that we've been building in this world, and now, dare I say it, Paul affirms the scale model of singleness over and above the scale model of marriage in actual fact. Everything that we've been building will be seen for what it was. Now we see in part, but then we shall see fully. Now we see, as it were, in a glass dimly, like in a, in a mirror, then we're going to see everything. We with unveiled faces will not just behold the glory that is ours through salvation, but it will behold the glory that he will bring to us in the culmination of all of these things. God loves you. He 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 loves you. Shall I keep going until the stony-faced among us soften? loves you. He's wooing you as part of his bride. And so we want to just commit ourselves and say, God, help us to get ready. Help us to get ready. Help us to speak life one to another. Help us to bring everything that we have, everything that is part of the human experience, which you have given so that we might be a bride made ready to be presented to our groom. Can I pray for you? And can I pray with you today? And, and I would just urge you, present yourself to Christ. You know, I've said, look, we don't do like those emails do. We don't just say you can opt out. And, and, and we don't do that for the reasons I've made plain. But look, that doesn't change the fact that sometimes things can hurt. Sometimes things can be hard. And so I would encourage you, if you can, maybe just bow your head in prayer. 
and give yourself to Christ. He loves you like nobody does or ever will. And you can present everything to God. The things that you're glad for and happy for and maybe the relationships that you have. And I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about the friendships that you have or the ones that are developing. You can give thanks to God for the families that you were raised in or, or you can give thanks to the marriages that you do have or, or the kids that God has blessed you with. But you can also give thanks to God for every sphere and path of life that he's been leading you into. We're all different and God knew that and he's loved you and invited you and he welcomes you and he cherishes you and he says that you belong and he says that you are of immeasurable worth and that you are part of his plan of salvation and grace within this world and, and as you're giving thanks it may be that you also want to present to God your hurts and pains maybe the things that you feel keenly as a lack and there's no point in pretending but just talk to Jesus but in all these things we thank you Jesus that you are more and you are better and you are true you are good and you are kind and though all of the good things of our life are intended to preach the gospel to us that we might search for you God we say they are not ultimate things they'll all pass away indeed heaven and earth will pass away but your love for us will endure forever and Lord Jesus Christ my ultimate prayer is that God this day and indeed all day and every day that you give to us until you come again or until we go to be with you that Lord Jesus you would be tuning our hearts and that you would be forming our lives and moreover you would be forming us as a church full of your spirit that we might long for you Jesus as a bride longs for the groom and you're not with us Jesus in the way that you walk this earth with your disciples and it is appropriate for us to fast in these days and to, and to keenly feel the longing for your presence. And Jesus, each and every way that you give us to, every means of grace, Lord God, let us be formed to say we love you, Jesus, and we're looking for you, Jesus. And we're saying that part of this bride being made ready is that more and more and more loved ones might be added into your church. Lord Jesus Christ, we're praying and proclaiming and, and looking for salvation. Jesus, I pray, God, that you would bring salvation to our families this day. I pray, Jesus, that you would save our loved ones and do it today, Jesus. I pray, God, that you would fill our homes with, with not only the best love that we can offer, but with your best love, Jesus. I pray, God, that you would go before us, Lord Jesus, that your spirit would go ahead of us, God, and, and where perhaps we feel fearful, Jesus, I pray, God, that we would know that underneath and around about are your everlasting arms of love, that you're with us and you will not leave us, even until you come to take us to be with yourself. God, would you save, would you heal, and would you make your bride ready for yourself? Jesus, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. 
Jesus, we love you. Help us to know your love, Lord God. Help us to know your love, Lord Jesus. Oh, church. I know it's so woefully inadequate, but I just feel that God wants to say it again to you this morning. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And look, you know, I'm going to be praying this for you for the rest of the day that you would know just how much he loves you. How deep and how wide, how, just the breadth, immeasurable love of God that nothing can separate you from the love of God which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is my prayer for you. And that in all things you would know this and rejoice in this and lead others in these ways. Come on, would you stand with me, church? Here and at home, shall we stand? We're going to celebrate the love of Jesus Christ. Look, I would urge you this week, make sure you're with your transformed communities if you can be. If you don't know how to do that at the moment, then just reach out to to us. Maybe send a message to our prayer line or, or get a hold of me. We'd love to help you to be able to process some of these things. God made you for friendship. And he made you for community. And we want to offer this and embrace this as a church. So do please dive in as you're able to. And um, just to share a couple of things as we go forward. Uh, We'll get all these things out to you again. Of course we will. But next weekend is going to be absolutely wonderful. On Saturday, so that's the 2nd of April, Messy Church at Gateway is going to be putting on the grandest and most brilliant Easter egg hunt you ever did see. And this entire building... It's going to be an Easter egg hunt. Um, I, I'm, I'm a child at heart. This will come as no surprise to you. I can't shake this. I've got this kind of vision in my eyes that actually the whole building is going to be full of Easter eggs. I just can't shake it. It's like in me somehow. It might not be quite that good, but it's going to be close. So bring your families, bring your kids, bring your neighbors. You get to hunt around, learn the Easter story, and get chocolate in the process, which is amazing. Um, that's Easter, Easter um, sorry, that's next um, Saturday. And, um, and then on April the 3rd, we're going to be doing something wonderful. And we're going to be learning how actually God is calling us all to be Andrews. Um, yeah, there's one up there. Um, but, but it, you'll understand. But it's about how we can just pray and, and share the love of Jesus with those around us. And we're going to be doing that as part of our gathering. God bless you. God loves you. Um, enjoy your uh, whatever. And uh, ladies, make sure you get your, your treats before you go. Tea and coffee is going to be served. But let's worship the God who loves us and is coming for us soon.
again it's been such a delight to be able to share together as a church this morning and uh, we know uh, that taking what God has been doing in our lives we can go and have wonderful weeks with him just to um, invite you um, to journey together with one another as we go through the week we as a church we don't just gather but we get going into what God has for us together and we have these things called transform communities we would love to help you to connect with other like-minded people who are exploring God's goodness and grace and seeing how they can be a part of his transforming work in the world so again hit us up get in touch we'd love to help you to connect anything that you need any prayer requests do let us know and we'll love to see you again this time next week god bless you and bye for now